ladles and jelly spoons. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace. I am sitting in the car in front of the blind mule, and with me today is Jade Green. Yeah. Thanks. Hey. What's dude. up, man? Glad you're here. Glad to be here. And uh, we've been, I've been sitting here laughing at how funny it is that it takes me forever to get this set up, and so it's always an awkward start to a conversation because we've been talking for like 20 minutes. But yeah, I ran through everything. That was it. Yeah. So um, sorry, y'all missed the episode. We were. It was a things, good one. Things to talk about. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah. So audio. It looks like we had some technical difficulties at the. Uh, not technical difficulties. Operator error is uh, is more accurate. Yeah. So if if I seem a little paranoid, it's because I am uh, am just looking and making sure all of these are are on. So thanks for joining us in Facebook land. We're glad to have you. Uh, feel free to say hey. We can see the comments sometimes if we're quick enough. And um, so yeah, now just settle down. We're going to do a podcast. Whew, wow, just looking around. <laughs> Uh, I keep being distracted by the boobs on the sphinxes up there because uh, we are yeah. at the, the illustrious blonde mule, and across the street from us, they is. actually have uh, like the paint's been chipped away where the nipples should be. <laughs> from I assume like different people over years and years playing with it, just constantly messing with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, the uh, it's a Masonic temple, right? Yeah, yeah, it's something to do with like masonry. That kind of thing. Weird. You know, I tried to sell my soul to the devil in high school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because I was, like, kind of into, like, the Jay-Z, Beyonce, Illuminati stuff. And I was like, I would do that. You look into that, yeah? Yeah, that would be Jay-Z. And, uh... Ended up emailing, like, Satan at soulstuff.com. And they never <laughs> got back to me. So, I think. It's unfortunate. I think uh, I think he was too busy running for president. Oh yeah. Oh, just to dive right into politics. Sorry, Love I got it. hung up on current events yesterday. We don't have to talk about current events at all. Um, so some some background for for people who don't know that you're a stand-up comedian and that's how we met. They do now. Yeah. Uh, which is good. But we met here at the Blind Mule. Right. And uh, you said this is where you do comedy most often, and. So the last time open mic we had here, we took on a week off for Fourth of July. So right, the uh, the week before that was uh, was good. I love your I love some of your newer stuff, man. It's fun, oh yeah, fucking killer. I, uh, the last time I went up, I actually was um, my goal was to just not open my book. Yeah, because it was kind of a laid back night with yeah. like other comedians. I remember uh, it was it's hard remembering like bits you want to do yes I like doing uh, I make fun of like the Flash TV show <laughs> yeah I remember it's that it's been on too long um, here I, I looked uh, up some stuff uh, the average American worker takes less vacation time than a medieval peasant uh, is this just random facts yeah I have like screenshots of different like Oh, like headlines that you've seen? Yeah. Is it fake news or are they reputable sources? This is Business Insider. It's probably <laughs> fake news. I don't trust anything. It's all fake news now, isn't it? On yeah, some level? Yeah, you're just kind of gambling that uh, the person you're telling it to doesn't want to look it up either and that they agree with you. I do not doubt in the slightest that uh, people who work a 40-hour work week 
uh, have way less time to themselves than, than people did once upon a time. I think that's part of yeah. the design of this particular version of civilization is that people need to be distracted. I think that comes from the separation of our natural condition, though. Like, the further we get from yeah, I nature... Think, like, how are you going to work at night without a can? You need yeah. so many candles, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't even have, like, a light yeah, you're at night to work. You just have to, like, relax. Oh, you're ten times more likely to be bitten by a New Yorker than you are a shark. <laughs> I like that one a lot. Yeah. I like that one a lot. I guess lot. just there's so many people and you get enough people that are going to bite people. In New York. You're, yeah. you're ten times more likely to, to be bitten by a New Yorker. I like the one that says uh, you are ten times more likely to be crushed by a falling vending machine. Vending yeah. Machine. Yeah. That was, the, that was the old school version of that. I enjoyed that one a good bit. Um, That's crazy. Like, that many people, like... I don't know. I don't think I've ever, like, shaken a vending machine. It's only, like, a dollar or two for yeah. something I didn't really need. No, I think that's, uh, what do they call that? When you put your anger on somebody else. Projecting? Yeah, yeah. I think that's projecting anger onto a vending machine. Is, is that's, a, that is. that's a good way to win an argument. You just, you're projecting. <laughs> yeah, I do that all the time. Uh, it's my favorite. Uh, yeah people don't like it much when when you cut right to you're arguing with yourself and reality is not real yeah it freaks them out it uh, usually doesn't get much good good recall on Facebook either do you feel like you enjoy an argument sometimes yes I enjoy yeah not even uh, like to win no Sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's just a bad argument, like, the whole way through. And no one's having fun. But, I don't know. There's something about disagreeing with someone and then... Because it feels kind of passionate after mm-hmm. a while. You normally don't get that with, like, small talk. I guess. Yes. I know what you mean. I'm not a big fan of small talk either. I, I like... Uh challenging what I believe. Like I want to find out I want to find out if I'm right, but not in a condescending way. Like, we all need to survive and the more we know about this place that we've got to survive in, the better yeah. off we are. It's like, I don't think I'm right, because I certainly don't research mm. a lot of things. Sometimes I'm just talking. Like, uh, I just found out that the saying is hard as hail, not hard as hell. Which makes a lot more sense because hail is just hard rain. Yeah. But I grew up in the South, so I've heard it as hail. <laughs> You're going to go to hail. Which is slang for hell. Yeah. But we throw in extra syllables <laughs> everywhere. Do you remember Mitch Hedge- Hedberg's bit about uh, the. We took the O and the U out? I don't actually. Oh, it's a bit. really Holds good. A bit. He goes through this whole thing uh, about how Southern accents, all they're doing is it's cool to just take the O and the U out, and so he does this whole thing about my sp and the th and the in Mitch Hedberg style, and he's got all these alliterations that that he just walks through, and it's it's all about his delivery and timing, and it's great. Yeah, everything he does or did, I guess. 
He was so good. So yeah. fucking good. Do you He's have incredible. any other favorite comedians before we... Oh, yeah. If you want to geek out about comedians. Um, yeah, because we were talking about earlier. We were talking about somebody. You said somebody was... Uh, Hannibal, Hannibal Burris reference in there. Oh, yeah. I was saying I think like Hannibal Burris is like a newer version of Tracy Morgan. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I see yeah, like parallels. And uh, like where they... Just kind of like... You're not expecting it, kind of off-tempo mm-hmm. kind of style. Uh, but my favorite comedians, uh, I still like Louis C.K. I don't like everything that's happened. Of course. But I feel wrote. like he's more easily defended than other people. Yeah, of all the uh, of all the creepy comedians, he's the one that... Yeah, he asks a lot of questions. And I feel like it's a great bit, right? If he, like, waits a year, that'll be so funny. Oh, when he comes back, because he definitely will come back. Yeah. <coughs> I mean, he didn't... Uh... Other people have done way worse. Not to defend Louis and what he did was obviously egregious, but he is an incredible writer, and he's a very talented comedian. And yeah. Just because he's an asshole and a creepy bastard uh, doesn't mean that he's not those things. Doesn't mean that he deserves... Why am I going on this tirade? It's not fucking necessary. Louis C.K., regardless of how you feel about him as a person, is a fucking hilarious comedian. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. Even Dave Chappelle got into that, and he was... That's <laughs> pretty funny. That reminds me of the uh, the comedians in Cars. You were saying that uh, Chappelle and Brennan were both on, yeah. the, on the new... Uh, Collection? Cars. What they call them? Is that what it is now? Yeah, it's not a season. Uh, a collection. Mm. Collection. My ass. <laughs> Start calling these collections of podcasts. <laughs> I love John Mulaney. Mulaney's great. He's so funny. Super He's so funny. weirdly relatable. Kind of like, um, like Carlin would do it more so, where it's just like so true you talk about like just weird things that I do that I don't talk about and Mulaney will have like small lines in between mm-hmm. stuff where it's like yes yeah uh, yeah we all do uh, I think one of my favorites is like you know like a liar <laughs> he's he is great at just so gently serving up the turn yeah and uh and his delivery is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Always good. Always good. I think I, I think I heard um, John Stewart and Dave Chappelle are gonna tour. Really? Yeah. That'd I didn't look hilarious. into it. Yeah. I hope it happens. I hope it's a thing. That would be absolutely hilarious. I can't wait. I'd be super stoked about it. What would that even look like? I don't know. I've never seen Stewart do stand-up. Does he do stand-up? It's how he got started. Really? Yeah. He got started with... Um, I'm not even sure. I know he's done stand-up, but I picture him in like a big like leather jacket, like 80s, 90s kind of stand-up. <laughs> Have you ever seen the picture of... Um, they're comparing the NBA draft like early 2000s 90s to now it's just like how different like a good suit looks 
because back then they're like oh because when the guys come out on stage and they're all decked out yeah now it's like kind of like skin tight there's like a silhouette and back then it was a huge right it was really baggy that yeah. was like in <laughs> and now weird. it's the opposite yeah. you think fashion is uh cyclical trends comes around goes around i think everything is cyclical i feel like we're getting back to like the 80s and yeah cycle like yeah. music and or the 40s if you think about it which politics yeah. and which breaks down into generations if right. 20 years is the prototypical generation then 40 years is what it takes for that generation to exercise some kind of authority and i, I remember that from a political analysis that the parties the party and, and ruling class or the you know whatever the ruling yeah. party is shifts every 40 years it makes sense it makes sense I, I don't know how that justifies bell bottoms but yeah but I'm sure given enough time I'll wear some sooner or later yeah. because skinny jeans and all that good stuff that's not new like somebody somebody did that before I'm sure yeah yeah. Especially fashion. Fashion oh. feels cyclical. Music kind of does. More so now, I think, because, like, for a while you're, like, getting new technology. You're getting new sounds. Mm -hmm. But, like, the latest, like, a lot of pop music to me lately has sounded more like stuff from the 80s. Thinking about, like, Bruno Mars, like, his last album. Yeah. A lot of it sounded, like, princey kind of. I don't know. Well, there are only so many... There are only so many chords and notes. Yeah, which is fascinating because maybe we're coming to a point in history where we were able to do so many things now right. that we really are exhausting reasonable options. And so for us to get... This gets into Terrence McKenna's time wave theory. Uh, like the, It's so difficult for us to come up with something new that novelty has kind of gone out of the window. And so there is this just scream of exit wanting to exit repetition that yeah we're definitely in the middle of like where's the original movie yeah and you're exposed to more now mm. right like you have so phone, many more choices like me you have like memes that like rise and fall in like a week yeah and then you have like you have jokes on the internet that you couldn't understand unless you had been on the internet a week ago. Yeah, yeah. And that's not, that hasn't been a thing. It, it's a very new, like... It happened to me two weeks ago. I went looking for a hashtag, like, I didn't get a reference, and I was like, oh, I gotta go find this. I couldn't find it. Yeah, it there's gone. a, uh, there's a subreddit for that called Out of the Loop. <laughs> that's where you I need to go, be. Why are people talking about this guy? Why are people, like, talking about a car salesman slapping the roof? <laughs> That's been a big one the last week. Need to go find that one. I uh, I just keep getting flabbergasted by the the police weapon weaponizing. You know all these, unfortunately, mostly white people using the cops as some kind of weapon against black people. Like the guy at the pool was the most recent one. It's and this is another part of that cyclical thing. I think we've come to this point in a cycle where. The information age is starting to show its value. And yeah, we're having to call I, some of these people out. My theory on that is that it's um, that's kind of always been happening, mm -hmm. but now it's like you can't deny it, and yeah. we're all aware of it, right? Because we have body cameras. 
Yeah. Right? I feel like there have always been racist cops. Yeah. 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 I mean, good cops. But now you're you're aware. Like, you don't get away with stuff anymore. The example that, uh, that I've heard, and I've thought a lot about this lately, you know, the, the lies that we all go along with in our daily lives and, and how thin those lines are. And the best example I've heard is, um, like, people putting alcohol in a brown paper bag. Like, just because it's in a brown paper bag, we all know what the fuck that is. But right. because it's in a brown paper bag, we have the opportunity to pretend like it's something else. To look the other way. Yeah. And so now that the paper bag is transparent, I almost said translucent. I don't know how fucked up I am today. But it's <laughs> Yeah, but because it's transparent, then all that goes out the window. Yeah, you kind of are... Uh, everyone's forced to look. Yeah. I guess, into the bag. Which we need more of. But, but that gets into the truth part. Like, that's one of the reasons that, that I'm a big fan of... I'm a big fan of, of all the possible perspectives. It's like, you, you, the, you know, the comparison between lowercase t truth as experience and subjective versus objective truth. And how, you know, nobody can know everything. Right. Like, no, but we can go and try. We can go and we can try. Well, I went off on my own little tangent in my head, but because I was thinking about the internet and people being crazy online. But then you then you have the that gets right back to this generational thing where uh, the changing of the guard is coming. Right. Yeah, I feel that. I, uh, I, I hope anyway. <laughs> it has to. I mean, if you look at, um, like, they try to legalize pot, most of the people voting no are, like, over 60. Yeah. So that's presumably going to change, right? Yeah. Because they can't yeah. live forever currently. It's one of the reasons that um, people advocated rewriting, um, rewriting the Constitution every 20 years, not to change the intent and the spirit and the ideals. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be. I don't think it was designed for us to still be reading it. I think they assumed we would move on. Do it, yeah. Rewrite it, rethink things. Well, Jefferson said every 19 years we should form a. It should thing, be rewritten. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think that has largely to do with the the idea of every, each generation getting to put the ideals and the spirit into their own terminology. Right. It would eliminate a lot of like interpretive yeah. problems. Yeah. Especially, like, even language changes. Even if you just updated the language. Yep. I don't know if that would help. It would help me. I certainly... I don't know. Like, it's not... The Constitution isn't good toilet reading. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not like a Reader's Digest. It's, uh... It's thick. It's, it's very thick. It's, it's more fun to read... If you go back and get, like, Jefferson and Adams' conversations about it after the fact. Like, that's pretty like, uh, fascinating. letters? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. Because some of those guys, I mean, Jefferson in particular, being being the author of most of that stuff, uh, was an incredible wordsmith. Like, if you take just the nuance and you take out some of the specifics... And he nails the philosophy of of the idea just so well. It's it's incredible to 
It's incredible to read some of the most intellectual shit coming from some of the most backwards, fucked up. Yeah, the thing is, they're all super racist, right? Yeah. You, like, know that. Yeah. Used the Bible to prop up racism and yeah. slavery. And, like, there were, the atrocities were horrific. Horrific. It's weird. Yeah, on the one, whole thing super weird. The more I think about it, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. It's super weird. But then it kind of explains how and why we are so super weird as a culture now. Because Americans were born and bred out of the gene pool that says, we'll take the risk to cross the ocean. Yeah, this for is some, Syria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all, like, we're all crazy people who think, yeah, I'll survive, I'll make it. Yeah. Like, they really... And I... I think every we all do a little bit. Yep. Everyone's like the main character mm-hmm. in the novel in their head. It's very American. Yeah, it's very American. I've been doing some uh, some research. The Shane Moss Shane Moss has a podcast called uh, Here We Are. All science stuff. Awesome podcast. Um, if if you're into that kind of thing, and got me looking into um, bipolar and uh, manic depression. Because I was diagnosed as manic depressive before bipolar was trendy. And you know, this was in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s when I was a kid. And so I've been running around with that for a really long time. And so doing some more research into that and looking around, it's like, okay, one, yes, it's easy for me to self-identify and then project all of my problems onto the world around me. But at the same time, you step back and you go, this whole culture is kind of bred to make me this way. Like, this is not entirely... Yeah, <laughs> like, we're definitely a product of our environment. And there's right. a lot of capitalism that just wants us to be sociopaths. Needs us to be sociopaths in a lot of yeah, ways. Consumerism, why, uh, American Beauty is such a cool yeah. movie. Because you watch it, um, and for the first bit, I want to be Patrick Bateman. Yeah. I remember I hadn't ever watched the whole movie or read the book. And for a while, I would just watch, like, the intro, you know, the opening sequence. Like, I do so many so push-ups and, and this, and I've got a good job. And I would look up to it. I was like, I want to be, I want to be Patrick Bateman. Yeah. And a couple years later, I finally watched the movie. I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe not. Swerve? Hadn't thought of that one in a hot minute. Swerve is one of the first places I tried to do stand-up. What is Swerve? It's, uh... It's like a bar and grill in Atlanta. And do tell. I was, I was reading it as like suave, something <laughs> like that. And I was going to school in Auburn, so I like drove for an hour, had a list of places, and I showed up there and no one was there. And it was really because it's like my first time. Mm-hmm. And I walk in, and like, welcome to Swerve. And I was like, oh no, you know, because my jokes at that point were about the gap and music of Ruby Tuesdays. They weren't great, you know? And uh, they were just kind of like, you don't, they just basically were like, you don't want to go up tonight. And I was like, okay. And I went to a different place. I still didn't go up. I saw, it was um, the Cat's Cafe. I was the only white guy for a little bit. And another white guy shows up. Mm-hmm. And they were like, do you want to be on the list? I was like, yeah, put me on the bottom. White guy goes up and it's all, all not funny racial humor. Mm. Like 
low-hanging fruit. Mm. No one's going with it. And I chickened out. Yeah. I'm not. I can't imagine. Have yet to to venture over to New Orleans or Atlanta, but I imagine it's some some pretty. And some I've people heard. were just murdered, like just incredibly funny the yeah. whole. And I was sitting there like, I don't like music in Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> I don't like Cheryl Crow. <laughs> One of my punchlines only worked if I sang a Cheryl Crow song. That. Which, uh, that feels like that would be about what uh, what I ended up doing. I'd be terrified. I'd yeah. be terrified. I know. Like, what is that guy's deal? Right. And for those of you who can't see on camera, we just watched this guy give us the give us the eye through his sunglasses. Uh, as he's he... got horizontal stripes on his polo, and he's got a gingham pattern on his pants. Mm-hmm. Or cargo shorts. Flip flops. Light blue. Light blue flip-flops. I really enjoy my flip-flops, but I am more and more self-conscious about wearing them in public. Is it why? Because of the noise? The noise. Yeah, the fuck, fuck. Yep. I'm a big Chaco guy. I need to look into that. Everyone in Auburn. Yeah. Loved Chaco, so I, I got on that train. Still on that train. And I, I wore Crocs for years. Really? And I've thought about going back because it's so comfortable. But they're so bad for your feet. Yeah. It can't be good. No, they're not good. They're fun. They're comfy when, you know, when you're living in, at the beach and you need something to get in and out of. But, uh... Mm. Uh, when you wear all the tread off on the bottom, they become uber slick. Oh, yeah. I busted my ass so many times. That's why it freaks me. People that work in kitchens sometimes wear Crocs. They make a special kind with... That are non-slip. Yeah, that, uh, that makes the, more sense. Have the right kind of soles for idiots like me. I would prefer to be barefoot. You know, I don't know if you remember those Vibram 5... Yeah, my dad had some. Yeah, yeah. I like those. Those I was, nice. uh, I was friends with a kid in college who just went no shoes. That's where I want to be. He went no shoes, and then we were in a wedding together uh, like a year ago, and he had to wear the shoes, and they were not made for comfort. They were like, oh, we all bought yeah. them for cheap, and he was like, I, my knees hurt, my thighs hurt, like everything hurt. Yeah, I'll bet. That's horrible. I would much rather go barefoot, like that guy Cody Lundeen from that survival show. Dual Survival was the name of it. And this Cody Lundin, he's been walking around barefoot for like 30 years, has this ridiculous, like, inch thick calluses on the bottom of his feet. Yeah. But imagine how well grounded that guy is. Like, they came <laughs> out with earthing, and Cody's sitting there going, 30 years, man! I, can, I have to... weak feet. Even, oh, like, as a kid, never touched grass. I didn't touch grass with my barefoot for, like, 12 years. How did, how's that even possible? How'd you put, pull that off? I don't know. My dad is kind of the same way. And then he has uh, he has plantar fasciitis. Yeah. So the first time I really touched grass, he was like, I need... He had been reading about it, and he was like, I'm going to go to a soccer field and just walk on the grass. It was kind of sad because it's like two guys afraid to touch 
each step is like needles, but it's just grass. If you're watching this. That needs to be a bit. Yeah. Two guys. You know, their first time in grass. It doesn't feel good. You would think it would be like... Oh, no, it doesn't feel good because they cu it cuts you. Mm -hmm. Like, grass has these sharp little edges, and so it's why you itch if you go roll in the grass. Yeah. Because you get all cut up. They're Well, and plants are assholes, man. I don't know. They really are. Yeah. Plants kill things. Just plants commit murder. Just straight up murder. And that's not just in an M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan movie. Fucked up that reference. Not funny. Look at that. Those orange shoes. Her feet are way brighter than the rest of her outfit. Yeah. Gets I kinda, my attention. I've been doing... Almost, I wear these pants constantly. Yeah? These are these are pretty much my only pair of pants. How like many pants do you really need? Like, one to right. wear, yeah. and one to wear while you're washing the other pair. Yeah, maybe something to work out in. But... And all my shirts are just like everything I wear. I feel like I've got the black jeans and then gray, black, or white, and then these shoes. And they're white. So you have the CEO's uniform now. You just need to be a CEO. Right, I look so successful. Good. What I are you a like... CEO of, Jake? God, <laughs> I'm sure uh, you're holding out on us. You've got the uniform. Yeah, I look like I should know something more about computers. <laughs> I got an internship at one point and I knew nothing. Literally, uh, I didn't take it because he was like, yeah, we have someone already working as a programmer, but if you want to come on, uh, it was for like a startup. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that night. I didn't do it. Part of me thinks I could have lied my way through it. I'll bet you could. Like Google or um, Stack Overflowed, just everything for a while. I'm sure you could. I'm yeah. sure you could. Just being, I think that's something that comedians... Not all comedians have in common. Well, I think so. Being able to get on stage and execute a joke, no matter the toll it takes on you, still requires a certain amount of... Because there's so many people that never get over that. Right. And so that being able to do that in front of an audience, I think, makes the rest of that easier. I think you have to be able to handle rejection... And you have to... Um, Carson and I talked about this one time. I forget. There's a comedian who had talked about it. Uh, about, like, if you want to do stand-up, you're um, basically insane. But that's not the word to use. <laughs> you're... Um, can't think of it. It's about, you're a crazy person to think it would work out. But... Because it's impossible. You, yeah. Yeah. But that's... If you're doing stand-up, you kind of have to be a crazy person who thinks it'll work out. Put that in the back of your head. Let it go. It's one of the things that I enjoy about it, though. That it's... That it is so difficult. Uh, and it's something that I've been doing for a long time. You know, I used to say that stand-up comedy was the last great bastion of the art of the spoken word. Right, like a coffee house yeah. in uh, old school France kind of thing. Yeah, because I had the idea of Plato or, or these guys standing around 
giving lectures and you yeah, know in the amphitheaters. And <laughs> yeah. And so the it seemed like Carlin was the guy at the time that I would you know, that was on top. And looking at him, it was definitely like, oh like that dude is just spitting truth. Yeah, he I I get upset watching him. Yeah. Because he's so good. You know? <laughs> like every line is super cut to the bone, funny, relatable. Yeah. He's like top tier to me. Yeah. To a point that it seems really hard to reach. Or yeah. Match or even uh, like steal from his style. Because you would just need so much that works. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would take to... Because, you're right, like, every line. Yeah. And then to do... It still blows me away that he was doing a, a new hour. And that people do a new hour every year. It's like, yeah, oh, right? shit! I mean, granted, he had been doing it a long time and was at the top of his game and all that good stuff, but still, I can't even imagine what... How much repetition... Or maybe that's the thing. You get to the point where you don't have to do the repetition. You can critique it yeah. as you go. You know what works. And so everything just becomes faster. I hope so. It's still impressive, though. It's, it's insane. Yeah. really impressive. Just trying to write, like, one new joke a week. Uh, I can't do so, that. Yeah, yeah one that'll work. One yeah. that I feel confident in. Absolutely not. Can't do it. Not there yet. It's fun to keep trying, but, man... It How makes do you, you look at the rest of What's your writing process? Oh, uh, I got my little whiteboard. Okay. And uh, I'll write some down, and then I'll take a picture of it, and I'll scrap it. And then I've got, I've got uh, pictures of stuff that hasn't made it into the book yet. But what I do is I'll write down what I think is the punchline or the tag, like whatever reminds me of that joke. And I would keep all of them and... Uh, keep them all in one place and try and get an idea of how much time I had. That was the bulk of it. Like, I would go through and write them out a little bit, but I would get on stage and elaborate them. Since a couple weeks ago, uh, I guess since last week, I was having a conversation with Tony Burkett, you know, Back Porch Comedy? Yeah. I was talking to Tony and, and picking his brain, and um, something I took away from our conversation was just going back and really visiting the word-for-word uh, write and execution you know, write, rehearse, and execute verbatim. Um, yeah. And so that's what I've been, been focusing on is uh, not just trimming the fat, but whittling something down to where it's exactly the same every time I say it. Unless it's a very... Yeah, that's very, just good science. You yeah. Know, you want to repeat the experiment mm-hmm. as close as possible. Cause sometimes I've had... Uh, I, I want a bit about Tinder, and sometimes, like here, the crowd just... It feels like they don't go with me at yeah. all. And it's really hard to work on a bit like that. But yeah. I don't want to throw it away because it could be the crowd. So you want to be able to do it again the same way for a different crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, it's something I've neglected for too long. You know, I've, I've known for a long time that it that I needed to focus on that. On that and, and so now I am. That's where I'm at is uh, one step at a time. But I've only been doing comedy for about a year. You said you started in Auburn, so that's been at least a couple of years. Yeah, I really didn't, like, dive in until, like, a year ago. Yeah? Like, yeah. Okay. At any point. Yeah. 
the way I do it right now is I have like my journal and I have like I keep track of what I'm doing so I can see like I can look back and be like oh I've been here before with like my life and stuff and then on the other page I just have spitballs things I think are funny funny articles and I'll just write those down not even jokes and then once a week I'll sit down and go through all those and try to like free write with them and try to like expand them and I don't I need to figure something new out. It feels like I just make a lot of fat yeah. this way. Just a lot of stuff that I'm not gonna get to use. Or that's just not funny or like not even stand up. Yeah. Yeah. Stories like breaking up hosting and being engaging and captivating versus being comedian punchline funny. Yeah. I'm learning to go back and forth between those two things or try and make them the same because it's really hard like that's something that's yeah. hard for me I can't I've never really had to do it but it seems hard because what's what were you going to say I was going to say it speaks to getting in that headspace of, of having to, to to tell a joke properly like it's not the, it's not the kind of thing you just throw in off the hip to right. tell a, a good well structured joke I do like anytime I have a new joke that I feel like it's working. It's a very good feeling. Yeah. It's like a new weapon. <laughs> like yeah. a Batman utility belt. Kind oh, of yeah. thing. Like, I have a batarang now. That's that's good. That's and a then really the good analogy. opposite end of that, sometimes I'll have a joke that I think is funny. Yeah. That I I guess isn't. Like it never works. And then another thing is sometimes I have a joke that's like a throwaway. And people are like, I like that line. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I guess I'll keep that one. Well, and then that goes back to what you were saying earlier, being able to repeat the experiment and find out what it is. Is it a timing thing? Is it that word? Is it... Yeah. It's a big experiment. It's fun, though. There's, There's not... Yeah, it's super enjoyable. Yeah, of all the things I've ever done, none have been as exhilarating as uh, doing stand-up. Like, I never, not even in martial arts or sports or anything. Also, just like, I like uh, other comedians, you know. Yes. I normally get along at least for a couple hours with any comedian. It's not true for any person I found more and more. What do you think that's due to? I think it's um, comedians are all coming to the circle with a very similar goal to make the other comedians laugh. Yeah. So there's less um, like thinking and like you know like what does this person really want or like what is their deal or are they trying to sell me something any like you don't really have to have any of those thoughts. Mm. You kind of are just trying to be funny and interesting. And th- and there's no small talk. I think that's huge. There there's you go. No small yep. talk. That's yeah. my favorite part. Actually. Yeah. 100%. Oh yeah. Indeed, indeed. Because there's something about knowing uh, how to connect with other people that cuts through all the bullshit. Like you have to, you have to understand that to be able to to make people laugh and so you can't 
Small talk is just a waste of fucking time when you think on that level. <laughs> so with I'm not even good at it. I'm allergic you know? to it. It makes I'm, me itch. I don't like it. I'm bad at it. It's a waste of time. <sighs> oh yeah, small talk. No, mm, not my cup of tea. And people look at me sideways when I just drop bombs on conversations. Like, oh, it's it's either like, well, what do you think of quantum mechanics? Or I'm bored and I'm walking off. Like, yeah. I do not, and don't narrate to me. Oh, my God. If you're going to tell me a story and, and you have to walk me through the entire, everything that happened in that 15 minutes. Oh, you're not, like, editing? Oh, oh shit. That one's bad. Oh, yeah. my God. And then he said, and then she said, and then, and a half hour later, it's like that scene in the IT crowd. It's like, oh, a 20-minute story about cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Dick. Made me listen to that whole thing. Stories without an ending. Oh. Going nowhere, which I, I'm guilty. Sometimes I'll launch in. Sure. Because it's like it's my turn to talk. But social cues. Yeah. Also, stop. Right. Well, I don't know. Some people, social cues, man. Social cues. I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get small talk. Or a lot of uh, social cues, I guess. Or yeah. I'm trying too hard to catch them. I'm catching things that are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I over- overthink that kind of oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Constantly. All the time. So here's a new thought. Okay. Let's, let's go hardcore left turn philosophical. Because um, I think small talk, in a way, is just inane, the low hum of white noise, what's going on in people's... I'm uncomfortable with silence. Yes. Right. So the opposite of that would be self-awareness, but on a meta level. And so with something that that came up yesterday, we were talking about, you know, when you're an investigator and you're learning to follow people, one of the first things they tell you is don't stare at them because people know when you're staring at them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rupert Sheldrake did did the research and all that good stuff. So I think what's going on there... And this is what I would love to get your opinion on, is that in those moments, just like when the collective consciousness focuses in on something and changes the random number generator's behavior, that the thing that is impacting that is this field of consciousness, and the reason that it's impacting it is because in those moments, it's becoming ultra self-aware, it's becoming self-aware, because you're seeing yourself in someone else's mind and that's what triggers the somebody's looking at me thing and in that moment consciousness not your con not self-ego personal consciousness the consciousness that is that pervades everything yeah yeah it sees itself and so you get this immediate little feedback loop and so those are the peaks of of when consciousness pokes through new thought yeah Interesting. What do you think? Uh, do you have a deja vu theory? Um, couple. One. This is one of my favorite things. Okay. So, I yeah, cool. It's a cool phenomenon. First off, I think one cyclical. So, as things are repeated, uh, even if the the circumstance is somewhat disparate, like if three things happened in front of us right now, and I'd seen all three of those things happen before, but never at the same time. That's kind of a form of deja vu, deja vu, because my brain 
find similarity in that to some degree. Okay. Uh, another version would be uh, the tapping into the collective consciousness and some real form of telepathy, which which we know that so there are like, versions uh, of it. You feel like you're reliving it because you're tapping into someone else who's had something similar? Um, I think that's more empathetic. What I'm talking about is actually being, like being in a flow state. Okay. Like if you're in a flow state and things are moving and, and you're just taking it in, like not stopping to think about it, that in those moments when we disassociate ourselves from time, everything becomes deja vu to a certain okay. extent. And another possibility I think could be uh, the way that our brain works as a role-playing machine that people who are uh, active, are you highly active thinkers, problem solvers, will create scenarios, just like in what some people claim the dream process is for, is just to uh, play out all the scenarios that, that you go through, defrag the brain, play out all the possible scenarios, so when you come across something in real life, you have some experience on how to respond if you have to respond in a split second to save your life. Okay, just like making things less novel. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so those would be three, I guess, popular, like way up there answers. If I had to go into like my personal spiritual or like what I come from energetically, I would say it's gonna look something along the lines of electromagnetism, chakras, and uh, chi. The answer's gonna be somewhere right in there. I like, my favorite one's the dream thing. Yeah, okay. That's what it uh, like feels like mm -hmm. to me. And like my perspective is it feels like I have a very distant memory of this and it feels like a dream I had and forgot about. Especially if it's weird. Which that could or, be. Or sometimes I think about um, this doesn't have a basis, but it's also just kind of how I feel is like I'm, I've moved back, I'm redoing something. Suddenly I become hyper aware that it's happened and I need to like shift, like go the different way, like fight against what I would have done last time to do something mm -hmm. differently. It's like, feels like a second chance almost sometimes. So that's very much from a meta perspective, from a from a much bigger perspective, looking down and karma, reincarnation, the the potential for past lives, which there's all kinds of great evidence to support that now. Um, people that that don't like the entertaining the idea. There's lots of stuff that you can read that uh, is good information. Um, but but like you said having the opportunity to redo something. So deja vu is this moment where this meta-consciousness is saying, hey, this is, uh, pay attention. Yeah, a moment of insight. Yeah. It's yeah. like a tori, it's a tori. Moment of insight, clarity, where you really get a chance to think about it. Yeah. Time kind of slows down because you know it's coming. Or not. I have no idea Or it's a glitch it in the matrix. Yeah, something like that. We're all Some in, bullshit. Uh, there's some Elon Musk interview where uh, it's my favorite one ever. He's just got these huge, just thick bags under his eyes. And he's yeah. on like some British, like morning-ish kind of show. And he's talking about a paper that was written about um, if we ever, we're in a simulation most likely, because eventually we'll probably be able to make a simulation 
mm-hmm. that's recreating what we're doing right now and then how likely is it that we're the first people to do that it's way more likely that someone else did that and we're in that and it just keeps going and uh he said he said something it's like uh at the very end of it they're like what do you think it is well he goes well i think either we're living in a simulation or the world will end in like 50 years something like that <laughs> and then you just go oh okay we'll, we'll be right, right back Oh my god! It's like not what they wanted. And he's got the, the bags. He looks worried for everyone. Oh, poor Elon. You know, poor Elon. Nothing. I wish I had a Tesla. That's um. It's interesting though, because in a way, we're just we're the most evolved potential for the simulation. Because wouldn't technology move towards organic anyway? That's where we're all headed. We're looking. Even the best of technology is trying to find a way to integrate with. Yeah, we're trying Biology. to make organs and stuff yeah. like that, too. Yeah. So that doesn't doesn't surprise me a bit. I think the holographic universe is... there's There has to be a lot to that, because we are... We know we are so bound by our senses. Yeah. For... It's really... Um, sometimes it feels like it's all you have. Mm. But then everyone feels like they have that little bit of extra. And if you're American, you're especially delusional because it's manifest destiny. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to make it. That's why you don't raise taxes. That's why we don't have, like, inheritance tax. Right. Because everyone thinks they're going to get rich, and then they don't want their money taken away when they give it. Yeah. But it's like, this is not benefiting you. No. No, no, no. Never, Never does. The American dream that... Like 1% of the population achieves Like actually pulling yourself up From your bootstraps And becoming the next Oprah Or whatever So rare So rare Which is unfortunate Because if we paid people appropriately Then people who did real work Like 40 hours worth of work In the Alabama heat every week Would not be scraping for, for pennies And there would be some equity in the world but we can't have that bullshit, apparently. This is, all right, this is something I think about a lot. Yeah. Okay? So there was a certain point in history where we're doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And then we get technology, and now the factories are better, stuff like that, and there becomes, like, this movement of leisure, right, right. in the country, and we start playing tennis and golf. It's where all that comes from. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're doing less work. And now I think in a few years or a few decades, something really similar will happen. Because you'll have, like, who's going to need to work in the McDonald's, right? There's a really popular uh, sushi restaurant in Japan that runs with one person working. It's a conveyor belt. Cool. Right? And there are already McDonald's that are kind of similar. So what in, like, place of golf and leisure, right? It's going to be people with free time and not... Uh, they don't. Have, they can't get a job. So I think that'll lead to universal, like, basic income. Because they still need to spend money, right? Mm-hmm. We all have to spend money or everything falls apart. If everyone stops spending money, everything stops. But I don't know what they're going to... I don't know what we're all going to do. I assume I'm in that kind of group of... Now what? You know? Do I golf every day or, like get paid to watch certain content <laughs> is a way I could see it going. 
almost like pay to get brainwashed maybe there i could somebody see yeah somebody's paying for it out there somewhere I think one of the things that we'll end up doing, well, universal basic income, there's a presidential candidate running in 2020 on universal basic income as the platform. Uh, 1.5 million or more truckers potentially out of work. Like it's it's coming down the pike. Self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the, one of the answers to that is art a lot more people will have the opportunity to uh, to try and become stand-up comedians. Right, or YouTubers or content creators. Yeah. In a sense. And one of the, one of, that's one of the great explanations of UBI is that the goal is not to make people more lazy, but to give people just enough so that they can make the next step. So if you're in this bracket and you're stuck on this thing because you don't have enough to get up and over, it's just enough to get up and over so you can do or become the next whatever that is in Maslow's hierarchy needs for you. Right. Which I think would be good. We need more creative people. Well, the, if we would just get well, the you industry. Need an audience. Well, I think there's always going to be an audience. I think Facebook showed us that. But free okay. entertainment yeah. is ruining art and, and everything else. Because, one, nobody can afford entertainment because nobody makes any goddamn money anymore. Right. And two, there's so much free content out there that nobody wants to go pay for it. And so there's going to have to be this stripping out of the middleman at some point to where if everybody that was involved got a little bit more piece of the pie instead of some, you know, CEO industry person, then uh, everybody could survive a little bit easier. And I think that's where we're headed, where the industries will fall by the wayside and YouTube... Uh, and Netflix and things like that are going to be the the real wave of the future. Yeah, where I think we're headed now is uh, on that line of thought is a lot more things like YouTube, like content. Yeah. You're just going to have more people sitting, watching, bored. Yeah. Maybe people start working out more. Doubt it. So that goes back to the connection to nature. Um, If people had more free time, the, this want to travel, this need to travel. Maybe that's what we need to do is just become a... Nomadic. A, yeah, like we build these civilizations just so we can become... Instead of nomads, we become tourists. Like, like tourists that. are yeah, the new version of nomads. Your, you know, stepping, evolving. And everybody gets their turn. <laughs> yeah. That'd be nice. That would be nice. Push pushed a button man I have to pee and we've been at this about an hour yeah I'm ready to shall we shall we wander in I've seen some people yeah, head that way kind of some, go say, some hey. friends I also have to pee so let's uh, Alvita Zane YouTube and Facebook thank y'all so much for joining us and until next time in podcast land thank y'all truth love and peace <laughs>